to another episode of Space Time Talk. I'm your host, Chris, with... Nate! Nate, loud, loud. Nate coming in loud today. <laughs> it's, it's the end of the year. We may or may not have forgotten to record a podcast in between the last one and now. Uh, <laughs> it happens. Extra Life happened. We're exhausted. We're still exhausted. I don't think it's because of Extra Life anymore. No. I, so, obviously, recording. No camera for Nate. He... You know, is Nate. Um, <laughs> I recently found out that uh, Dr. Pepper gaming sponsorships are a thing. So, yo, Dr. Pepper, what up? Literally drink you on every single recorded programming that Space Time <laughs> Taco has ever done. You've you've taken years off of my life. Now, wait, that's not how you should ask for. <laughs> <laughs> Kim's over here shaking her head. It's like, nope, I don't think that's a good play. Um, yeah, I don't know. just found out as a thing, and I'm like, all right, that just means we know what we have to do, ish. I just uh, imagine an ad now with the Marlboro Man who like actively has mouth cancer. Is that a thing? Mouth cancer is a thing. Yes, no, People obviously mean, mouth cancer is no. a thing. I'm like, was there an <laughs> ad with a guy for with mouth cancer doing no. an ad for cigarettes? Because that no. would be fucked up. No, that is not a thing. <laughs> so, Nate, what have you been up to in the... Hold on. Let's actually look at this. Um, <laughs> uh, it has been... Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, the month, actually, since we've recorded. Because uh, mm-hmm. our last recording was on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me remember I need to add something to the what we're watching. Uh, Doctor, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, <laughs> All right. Doctor Uwu, Doctor Uwu, yep, <laughs> Doctor Uwu. Yeah. So, Nate, what have you been up to for the last month? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've watched quite a bit, and I played some stuff, <laughs> as always. Um, I saw Eternals actually just last night. Oh, you didn't watch Eternals until last night? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Well, that's so, good. That means it's fresh in your brain for us to do the spoiler cast part of this session that I definitely made the picture for already. <laughs> Open this photo. I mean, the movie's been out for, what, two weeks now? Uh, yeah, it came out the, um, the week before... It came out the day before Extra Life, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe? That sounds right-ish. <clears throat> and nothing don't say anything. Okay. <laughs> I think more of what we need a spoiler cast for is Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still want to... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm weird. It, if it's not on... If it hasn't hit a full month, I guess, I don't want to be like, boom, boom, spoilers. Yeah, hey, so it's been much more than a month since the movie's come out, and uh, it's now on Disney+, Plus. so uh, no spoiler cover for this. I'm sorry. Um, I guess spoiler warning if you're listening, but otherwise, we love you. Enjoy the movie. It's on Disney+, Plus now. Of course, hell, fucking this movie is the first time uh, the regular media has been like, hey, movie's not out yet, we're going to spoil the after credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, fuck it, fine. We'll talk. We can talk about that. What do you think about the Eternals? 
Um, I think it was. I think it's better than the reviews say that it is. Mm-hmm. It's not like super amazing. Go watch right now, kind of Marvel film. Um, but it's passable. <laughs> um, as as a movie, you know, I can say I enjoyed it. They handled, even though the movie has quite a long runtime, they handled the pacing in the film really well. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I wish they did is this is an ensemble movie with a cast of quote unquote main characters, and they didn't handle that so well. They gave each character their own unique sort of backstories and traits and personalities and motivations and things like that, which is, I mean, credit to where credit's due. Like, the writers handle that excellent, but I didn't see what I expect out of a Marvel ensemble movie with this kind of stuff. I didn't see... There's banter back and forth and stuff like that, but I didn't see sort of the teamwork dynamic at play throughout a lot of the action scenes in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm every character was kind of left to fight like one-on-one with a deviant and then do their own thing against it, which I guess kind of works in a sense, but you have all these characters with the unique powers. And we saw this in infinity war Endgame and even civil war where they're using those in conjunction with each other. Yeah. And you just didn't get that in this film a lot. Um, my favorite character in the movie also dies. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, so Gilgamesh is my favorite, and he dies. Yeah, I mean, he um, is definitely one of my favorites in that group. Yeah. Gilgamesh is my favorite. Thena is my other favorite, because her backstory is tragic, but also it's like Angelina Jolie back in an action movie, and she's still a total badass, so... I, I will say, <clears throat> this was probably my favorite thing I've ever seen Angelina Jolie in, because I have never been the biggest Angelina Jolie fan. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, I never really liked the Tomb Raider movies, Um I, I hated Wanted. Wanted was not great. And I mean, I I have to give it a little bit of a of a uh, benefit of, of the doubt. Like, no, what is it? I don't know what the term I'm looking for. Basically, I saw Wanted and Wally at the same time, and Wally is one of my favorite movies of all time. And okay. Wanted just kind of just existed. <laughs> so yes, it was overshadowed by Wally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. No, Wanted is not not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's an enjoyable sort of like popcorn flick, yeah. honestly. Um, but no, Angelina Jolie was not that great and wanted to begin with. And <laughs> Tomb Raider, she was kind of, I mean, she was given what she had to work with. And Tomb Raider was one of those early video game adaptations where it's like, let's try to make video games like more grounded and realistic. And it just never worked on screen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And who knows? I mean, I don't know. I think she did She did an amazing job in this film. I think all the cast did a pretty good job in this film. Um, the guy who plays Icarus is wooden as hell. Oh, I yeah. I don't like him at all. <laughs> 100%. Uh, what is, Kim, what's the actor's name that plays Icarus in Eternals? You don't know it off the top of your head? Rob Stark. Yeah, Rob Stark. <laughs> okay. Well, so, Rob Stark is as hard as Starks would make a person. Um, it's it's he's horrible. He is absolutely the worst in this movie. Like, I you don't really I guess you don't really notice it too much in. Um, Do you want to know or do you want to try and guess it? Uh, his name is 
His name is Jared Pentway. Richard Madden. <laughs> Richard Madden. I was close. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Richard Ma- Richard Madden. So he, he has the right number of syllables. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, I'll count that as close. Um, can you hear her, by the way? Yes, I can. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> I um, yeah. You, know, you don't really notice how like flat he is in Game of Thrones as much because that mm-hmm. is kind of his character. He isn't the most like excited and ooh, lively person. I mean, none of the fucking Starks are. The the closest to that is Arya and uh, Ned. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ned loses his head within one season. Fucking spoilers. <laughs> or the first episode, if you were Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've talked about that on the podcast before too. Um, but yeah, seeing him. Not only seeing him in this movie in that role, but also them being like, he's one of the love interests. He is the one that she fell in love with. Like, mm. nobody would believe that at all. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is, is his character, Icarus himself. I mean, I get his motivations in the film. He's he's loyal to Arisham. He's he wants to see new celestials be born and all that stuff like that. He believes in his purpose. He's but, the only one out of all of them that doesn't have any connection to humans whatsoever. Yeah, but he's so, so static in this film. He yeah. lacks the ability to like really emote on screen. And I feel like his casting was like, we just need a pretty white boy to play this guy. And <laughs> that's who they picked. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seems about right. Overall, I think the rest of the cast is pretty good, except for Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan was also fairly wouldn't she reminded me really? of fuck what's her name i didn't mind Gemma. i, I enjoyed she, Gemma. she reminded me of Liv tyler in a lot of movies she's played in because Liv tyler has always mean. played it is mean but Liv tyler has always played the like sobby love interest who hangs on every word of these handsome men she's around mm-hmm. and doesn't have a whole lot of personality of her own and you know, not to say that's that's her entire role. She hasn't Liv Tyler hasn't always been in a movie in that role. But like even in Lord of the Rings, I mean that was her role. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the one she's most famous for now. I don't know. So, man, Armageddon. Armageddon, okay. Or the that shitty Hulk movie. Yeah. The less of the the less shitty of the two shitty Hulk movies. There we go. Right? I would say the Ed Norton Hulk is better than the uh Eric, Eric Bana, right? Eric Bana. Yeah. That yes. yes, that is a better, a better overall film. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed her, but I enjoyed her for what she was, especially because mm-hmm. it was like, hey, we're gonna make the main character, and in in all honesty, she is the main character. And Kim, I think me and you've talked about it too, um, mm-hmm. but just the fact that they're like, hey, the main character in this group isn't an offensive character like she isn't the the one that shoots lasers out of her eyes or her fingers which was fucking cool i don't care what anybody says he literally gets to go (laughs) do the five the bi finger guns yeah um he she literally is just like hey i'm i can i can change shit i'm uh, (laughs) i'm basically a a um alchemist yeah her powers super alchemy powers (laughs) I think all the powers in it were really cool, and the the art design behind the usage of the powers is also really cool. Yeah, 
Um, um, people are already saying, and I mean, it's been said and, and theorized that the the Ten Rings were something connected to them, uh, just based off of the design of the, the rings themselves. I mean, yeah, it could be. Um, let's see. Camille Nanjiani was great throughout the movie. He was... I mean, he is a comedian, so I get it, but he definitely did play the comic relief in the film a lot of yeah. the time. But um, it still had heart. He was funny, but he still had yeah. those like serious moments. He did. Um, Barry Keegan did a great job playing Druid. Um, Who I am so glad I <laughs> I misread in the trailer. I swear in the trailer it, it made him seem like he was going to be the the we've been separated and now I'm a bad guy kind of thing. Um, it it definitely did, but I think he was the in the early days of the Eternals because we're taken on a journey throughout like human history in this film. In sort of the history of the Eternals, he's had to put up with like the most shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think part of his mind control powers is he's also an empath, which is why he's so affected by all the stuff going around him all the time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I just. Really... Yeah, he really just wants to see, like, people get along, and even if that means, like, he has to be a dictator to do it, that's what he wants to see. <laughs> Which is a um, sad thing to, to say. Because his whole thing is really, it's like, we have the chance, we have the ability to stop them from hurting each other and live a peaceful life, but to do so is also to fully control and take away their liberty, or their freedom, mm -hmm. and free free will and all that kind of shit. And like I understand his idea, the the uh, the what's the word? My mind is not working. It's it's kind of falls into the whole people saying Thanos is right. He's like he has the right idea, just the wrong ex. Oh, execution, execution. Yeah, right idea, well, wrong execution. Yeah, he he plays into the theme of a benevolent dictator quite mm -hmm. a lot, um, which. Anybody who studied history or any kind of political philosophy knows is the thing. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see who else. So we got Leah McHugh is Sprite in the film. Um, I think she did a good job as Sprite. I mm -hmm. love her character design, but the whole like, I'm stuck as a kid forever, but I'm also in love with somebody. Um, it didn't I feel like play it's... as well as they wanted it to, I don't think. It didn't play as well, and it's really not the best motivation for her actions in the film. <laughs> it, it isn't, but at the same time, I you understand. You understand her motivation, in my opinion. You understand her motivation more than um, Cardboard Superman. Um, because Cardboard Superman is basically like, hey, I have a mission. I learned that my mission is kind of fucked up. I'm sticking with the mission. Yeah. Um she was like I don't care. I'm already dealing with the it really is like a I'm tired of having to deal with this. I'm tired of living my life doing this over and over again kind of thing. Just and let, let's let this go. Let's get rid of all these stupid humans. <laughs> yeah. Because in all honesty, this race or the, the human earth and the humans is the probably one of the first times she's had this issue. Um, because she's done multiple other planets, other life cycles, intelligent life and all that, and they don't always look human. I don't know why the Eternals happen to be humanoid in this, you know, for this specific 
thing, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> some yeah. of them look like really famous pop stars. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, to round out the cast, we have uh, Salma Hayek playing Ajak, sort of the leader of the Eternals who dies very early in the film. Another big twist if you watch the trailers. You really feel like she's going to be in more of that movie, in those in that movie, yeah. Um, but she's she was kind of the mother figure for them all, right? And so not only her telling them to leave early on in Babylon, but then just dying outright, I guess, created an even larger rift between them all. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I I give her um I I I love her in general. I thought she was great. Yeah. I enjoy the fact that that catalyst of her dying, uh, Icarus being the one that does it, or sorry, mm-hmm. technically doesn't do it, but you know, um, but Icarus being the one that does it, and then basically in her dying allows, uh. Gemma Chan's character, I'm not remembering anybody's names right now, um, to be the new leader. Like, it's like, hey, no, no, it's not not this asshole, it's you. Because you are the person that I trust is going to make the right decision. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I think with Salma Hayek in any kind of role where she gets to be a mom is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Salma Hayek in general is just you know, amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really, and that's the thing. Aside from Richard Madden, I really enjoyed the cast because mm-hmm. uh, you still right. have the other two. Um, well, you've got Makari, who was fantastic. Uh, it's played by Lauren Ridolf, Ridloff. Sorry, best who... best on screen uh, speedster ever, in my opinion. She was she was like wickedly powerful. Like <laughs> she like whipped Icarus's ass at the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not even he wasn't even like restrained or anything at that point that was just her fucking him up oh yeah but uh beyond her being fast she's also deaf lauren ridloff is deaf in real life and uses asl to communicate so i think that ties well into the history of the film because it gives kind of an explanation of where asl would have come from yeah on Earth. oh i didn't even think about <clears throat> it in that aspect yeah it's alien sign language. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's used well, and I appreciate also that the rest of the cast gets an opportunity to use it at different points in the movie, too. Yeah, I've, I've um, seen different interviews and in, in videos where she's talked about how she taught the cast um, just different things in sign language. And, like, there's a point where she taught, I think, the entire crowd of a, of a convention or whatever mm-hmm. um, something. And I think it was just how to say Eternals or their names or something like that. And I thought that was really cool. There we go. Um, you've also got Faustus, who, another one of my favorites, just <laughs> Brian Tyree Henry is fantastic. He is fantastic. He could have been cast as a funnier dude, but I'm glad he's more grounded. Mm-hmm. And he plays into that role of like a scientist, engineer, inventor really well. He's intellectual in everything he does he analyzes every situation real well and then on top of that like he's he's literally responsible for the advancement of humans yeah um and he's motherfucking paper boy oh yeah <laughs> i i remember when they announced him being in it and all i could think of was the fact that i'm like this is paper boy oh, yeah. i know this guy well i also appreciate that the eternals names are tied somewhere into mythology from different periods right? that was 
that was so good uh like thena thena mm. being athena icarus yeah. i will admit the whole icarus's death is in kim that was another thing kim was a little annoyed with was how you know all the nose it was <laughs> yeah it's directly into the sun <laughs> he does fly directly into the sun fastest of course is hey fastest um but you've got cersei druid gilgamesh kingo i think is supposed to be indian um, yeah. <clears throat> no, Sophie, I need you not on the table right now. I love <laughs> you. Come on. But uh, overall, I think it's a good enough movie. And the setup in the after credit scene is is kind of actually a double whammy there. Um, yeah. Well, first we get the... Because um, we're not going to go into the, the plot. The mm -hmm. plot... So you were saying that you were it was a serviceable. You enjoyed it. It wasn't the greatest thing. Um it's definitely not like immediately in my top. It's definitely above mid for me. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought what they did with the time they had with this large of a group of uh, cast of characters, I think they mm -hmm. did really well with you getting to know all of them. And the one that you don't really get to know, like you even get to know Ajax. Um, mm -hmm. But the one you don't really get to know, again, Cardboard Superman, there's nothing to know. He never has a personality. He is just the mission. Uh, aside from him falling in love with one person, mm -hmm. it's very much like, hey, I exist to do this, and that's it, and I don't care about anybody else. Except for you, Gemma. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, shout out to Marvel giving Gemma Chan a second shot in the Marvel series, in the Marvel Universe. We already saw mm -hmm. her die in uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which, you know, hey, if you are cast as a character that is only blue, I think she's blue. She's green. Was she green? I couldn't remember if she was green or blue. Um, yeah, you you can get another shot, I guess. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, the, the ability to develop these characters with as little time as you have. Um, and hey, you know what? Finally, shout out to Disney for Disney and Marvel for actually having a real, like, on-screen, not straight couple. <laughs> yeah. Not lesbian. Not not uh, two women in the background kissing that you can barely <laughs> see and they can easily cut out. This is an entire character portion that you you take that away and there's no point to the character. Oh yeah. Um, well, they introduce it in a way that's really nice too, is because you, you know, you see them come up. They're they're at Festus's house, and you see this guy just playing in the front yard with a kid. And you're like, okay, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why does he seemingly live with them? And then he just comes out and says, like, very casually in the middle of a line of dialogue, he says, "My husband." Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's not like shoved in anybody's face or very on the nose. Like, oh yeah, these guys are gay. It's just they're two dudes living a normal life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's nice because it really is with his character specifically, he blames himself for uh, Hiroshima. Um, and I thought I really liked that idea. I, that's another thing that I was happy with was that back and forth with the past. It wasn't, let's go through the history and get to the present day. Let's see a little bit, cut back, back and forth yeah. kind of thing. Um, well, they use the past as a way partially to exposit, but also more to show how these characters came to the point they are in present day, mm -hmm. right? Is that 
Sprite specifically is responsible for a lot of the myths and the stories carried out through human history. Because Japan. Yeah, her job more or less is to cover for the actions of the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have basically these these characters, this ensemble cast sort of leading humanity through history and helping them develop at what they think is a responsible pace until you get to that point where you've got World War II and Hiroshima and Festus realizes like, maybe I shouldn't have pushed them so hard. Yeah, And that's, uh, you see how much he wants to advance as well mm-hmm. with um, back in, was it Babylon yeah. or Mesopotamia? I yeah, can't... it was, I think it was in Babylon yeah, where he's, where he's like, like, yeah, I made a theme. It's like, no, no, it's no. Like, this stuff isn't going to be around for like another couple thousand years. No, dude. no, no. How about a hoe? I got a hoe. <laughs> yes. Here's a plow. <laughs> like, here it is. It's a plow. It's called that because that's what it does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that whole the, the growth throughout time kind of thing. I thought that was a good mm-hmm. idea. Um, and that's And I think part of the reason I liked it was because it wasn't just... Yes, at one point it is CG, CG people fighting CG people, but mm-hmm. it wasn't just your normal Marvel CG people fighting CG people. There was a lot more to it outside of that. Yeah. Um, well, the design for the Deviants is really good. The um, use is not so much. <laughs> the use not great, and the design reminded me of the uh, Live Die Repeat movie that Tom Cruise was in. Because um, the they also company. evolve over time, right? They do evolve over time, but the idea is that the in that movie, the Alpha basically is the sort of thing that signals to the main sort of mother of these aliens to revert, to reset the day, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever an Alpha is killed, the day resets. And so they start learning after Tom Cruise adopts that power to stop basically bleeding the fuck all over the place. And giving people that power, because yeah. um. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise and um, mm-hmm. Emily Blunt char- Blunt's character, right? Yes. Yeah, I never yeah. watched that movie. I had no interest. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's great as a sort of sci-fi action flick. Um, the thing is, I usually watch sci-fi for world building, and it's there in the visuals, but not there in the rest of the film. <laughs> Yeah, like okay. you get an idea of of how the world came to be and what they're going for in the visuals, but the rest of the movie is just like, yeah, this is just technology that exists, <laughs> and I don't like that in my sci-fi, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, I'm okay with like, uh, yeah, I don't know sci-fi if it is done well, done mm-hmm. like you just see the world and you're like, oh, it's our world, just you know, either more advanced or just different things went took a turn and all that. But if it's really yeah. like, hey, it's just our world, but this exists, this one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's because I'm a fan of sci-fi, sci- cyberpunk more than I am of like science fantasy. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, back, but... just to finish up the Eternals movie itself, loved it. I thought it was great. Um, definitely was that this is not, ignore, ignoring the after credits right now, this movie itself yeah. is not, hey, the next stage of the world of the the uh marvel cinematic universe is this is where all this is coming from it's more of like hey this is going to seep into everything for the next couple of years not not directly not immediate but this is where we're going slowly Mm -hmm. um 
But yeah, the after credit sequences. What's that that mid credit sequence, Nate? That was definitely <laughs> not spoiled by regular media a week or two before <laughs> the fucking movie came out. Uh that sequence was a little little weird for me. It was CG wise rough. Um Shout out to Patton Oswalt finally getting his on movie screen uh, MCU debut. He's been in the MCU technically through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for years now. Um, Mm -hmm. But he plays Pip. I believe his name is Pip. Yes, Pip the Troll. Little troll dude. And he introduces... I'm going to let Nate talk about it because I've talked about it already. (laughs) Yes, well, he introduces Eros, who is brother of Thanos and Prince of Titan, um, Eros. who apparently is also an Eternal somehow. <laughs> so in the MCU, it seems like Eros and possibly Thanos um, are Eternals. Uh, mm-hmm. Will we get more on that? Who knows? We might. It's the MCU. They, they make decisions all over the place. I mean, hell, we're already looking in a world where ego is a celestial. Mm-hmm. Ego is a very different type of celestial compared to what we saw in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he ego is basically doing what the celestials do on a more fun personal scale. <laughs> mm-hmm. While the celestials go blow up uh, planets, <laughs> egos just fucking around the world or the universe. Mm. different kind of seed planting yes Eris is also of course known by his superhero name Star Fox Um, used to boost the chase yeah he uh, was a part of the Avengers in the comics so that remains to be seen as things move forward in this phase of the MCU yeah Uh, I don't know his his characterization was a little weird because he comes off very much like a Star Lord type character he's very cocky confident full of himself oh Um, and in case you don't know he's played by harry styles (laughs) yeah played by harry styles which i'm sure some people are like that's fucking stupid i fucking love it (laughs) i think it's fine i mean if harry styles was going to break in pretty much if anyone was going to break into acting right now i think marvel is the iron is still hot at marvel studios and Mm -hmm. if you're a celebrity who wants to break into acting i'm sure marvel has a place for you right now um I mean, we got Kit Harrington in this film, for Christ's sakes. He didn't play a major role in the film, but Yuck. he will in later films. What's in um, yeah. uh, And that was the last end credit scene. <laughs> well, I was going to say, to finish up that, that first, the mid-credit scene, um, basically, Eros comes out and being like, hey, you're friends, because the end of the movie, friends all, all the, the Eternals that stay on Earth are plucked mm-hmm. out by Erisham. Uh, Erisham, yeah. Um, and the rest of them that were fleeing and going off on their own adventure um, are told, hey, they're in trouble. We're going to go fuck them up. How about that? Basically, is what he does. <laughs> um, and I'm all for that. I'm like, hell yeah, space adventures. Let's do this. Why am I have a cat that is just very interested in nothing going on right now? Sophie, <laughs> what is up? What are you doing? Where are you going? Huh? I love you. Shaking the table? Yeah. Right. Sophie, say something for the podcast. She doesn't. She's trying to eat <laughs> my food that was on the table. Give me one moment. I'm going to go get her off of this, and I'll be right back. Oh, I have a little pause record button. That's right. Uh, So that second after credit sequence, Nate, mm-hmm. 
we get Kit Harrington with a very uh, wiggly. I'm gonna call it a wiggly blade. Um, wiggly blade. <laughs> Just cursed you. So that's the thing. So we find we found out about Kit Harrington being cast in this movie years ago. Um, <laughs> And immediately people were like, oh, he's going to play Black Knight? Black Knight? Is that the name? Yes, Black Knight. Um, doesn't happen in the movie. We do find out that he has some kind of history to mm -hmm. medieval times shit. Um, and he has the Ebony Blade? Yes. Is that the right one? <clears throat> okay. I got to remember, it's not the All Black. <laughs> or the All Whatever. I think it's, what is that thing called? Hold on. I believe it is called the All Black. Um. Yeah, All Black. Fucking All Black, the Necrosword, which is literally a symbiote. Um, yep. But this is the Ebony Blade, which, when he touches, will still turn him into shiny, shiny superhero Nightman. Yes, um, shiny superhero Nightman. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Which, you know, exciting. You get It's like, hey, let's sneak peek at a character that may or may not directly connect to um, to Venom and symbiotes in general, which is, you know, weird. Mm -hmm. Especially since the inclusion of, of Spider-Man moving forward in the MCU is still uh, questionable. Who fucking knows? We'll f maybe find out come uh, December. Um, yeah. but as, uh, as Jon Snow's about to put his hands on the blade and, uh, basically power up into superhero mode for the first time, um, he's interrupted by technically a familiar voice. I'm going to say technically a familiar voice because, um, he has been in a Marvel show, uh, not a canon Marvel show <laughs> and no, it's not goddamn Samuel L. Jackson, you stupid people. <laughs> Why would people... First of all, they sound entirely different. People? Second of all... Just don't. <laughs> they don't. Like, all right, I'm in the theater. I'm in the theater. I see the Ebony Blade. I'm like, that's fucking cool. I'm excited to see them do that in the future. I hope they don't show them power up kind of thing, whatever. Um, but then I hear mm -hmm. the voice, and I immediately was like, oh, fuck yes. Because yeah. I know who that voice is. People in the audience are like, oh, Sam Jackson. I'm like, no, it is not fucking Nick Fury. <laughs> I come no, home, it's... I see all these articles being like, this is who this could possibly be. It's either this person, this person. It's most likely just Nick Fury. I'm like, it's not Nick Fury. It's it is not, not Nick fucking Fury. Nick Fury. It is goddamn Blade. <laughs> 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 and thankfully, within 48 hours of release, there was an interview where... They just full on admitted, yeah, yeah, it's it's um, Mahershala Ali, yeah. uh, Mahershala Ali. Yes, Mahershala, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Yes. Um, who is my favorite villain? Who played my favorite villain from any of the? Oh, sorry, one of my two favorite villains from any of the Netflix uh, Marvel shows. Um, oh, yeah. I was so upset that they killed him. Uh, mm -hmm. But hey, we now get him in the universe fully as an actual character who, from what it seems like, might be in multiple series. Not just his own movie, but 
okay. sneak peeked in other things as well. Um, well, I mean, it makes sense to me that he'd be tied in with Black Knight because Blade's whole thing has always been the supernatural, um, sort of paranormal threats. Um, and he says to Kit Harrington at the end of the movie, Dane Whitman, he says to him, Do you think you're ready for that? Mm -hmm. oh, um, man. Which means that he knows something about the Ebony Blade already. Um, he knows essentially what potential someone using that sword could have. Um, which, again, makes sense because Blade's whole thing has been that paranormal kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I feel like Blade, to a certain extent, is kind of, and I mean, sure, comments correct me if I'm wrong because I don't really read too many offshoot or lesser known um, Marvel characters, but he seems like the default go-to comparison for um, Constantine in the DC universe. Yeah. Where I feel like Blade is dealing with all the... Obviously, yes. Doctor Strange, sure. But <laughs> non-top tier? I want to say tier, but even Doctor yeah. Strange is like only more top tier because of him being included in the MCU as much now. <laughs> um, but I feel like that that is a good comparison from what I've seen. There you go. This well, is, where being, you could you know, I'm not that that experienced in comics with that stuff. I only read it for things I care about, which are Miles Morales well, and Miss Marvel. Yeah. Well, whereas Doctor Strange is dealing with sort of almost cosmic level threats, Blade is sort of a protector of Earth as it exists. Yeah. Um from again paranormal threats that exist on Earth. You're thinking like ghost and goblins kind of stuff when it comes to Blade. Mm -hmm. Um you know, he's protecting the Earth from things that people only whisper about in dark corners um, vampires werewolves yes whereas dr strange is like yeah i'll take on thanos <laughs> um dormammu yes i've, I've got a i've got a an offer you can't refuse <laughs> that's that's the line right <laughs> of course dormammu <laughs> Two for twenty entrees at Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried the biggie size? Uh... <laughs> Your mom would come get this four for four. <laughs> hey man, I love that four for four. You get two, and I'm full. Yes, I do buy two four for fours. Mm -hmm. It's cheaper than just one re one meal. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited as fuck because I didn't think we would get any close to anywhere near close to Blade being in anything yet. Um, mm -hmm. I think him being in the Eternals is was very unexpected. Um, oh, extreme! Yeah, because I mean, at this point, right now, <laughs> I think Thor: Love and Thunder and mm -hmm. uh, the Marvels have finished yeah. uh, principal photography. Um, mm -hmm. Blade has it doesn't I don't think Blade even starts filming until next year. No. Uh which I mean now at this point in hell it's it's two months away from next year. Um Yeah. Well they've done a lot of pre production for Blade already. Mm -hmm. Um I mean you can see that one of Mahershali's pictures that's on Google right now is him in a Blade crew hat. Yeah. <laughs> so they've done they've at least done some pre production on the film. Probably picking out set locations and talking to various directors and you know, filling out their cast with extras and things like that. Um, 
lot a lot of stuff. I mean, if you just look at the credits of any Marvel movie, you tell how much work went into every single film they've they've produced so far. Oh yeah, um, it, it's a ton. Um, but I, I'm I'm excited for Blade just as much as anybody else's. Blade is one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, the movies are something I grew up with as a kid, and even though the movies were kind of schlocky, sort of almost Matrix esque. They're still good action films. <laughs> um, they worked with what they could do at the time. The CGI, of course, is a little off-putting, but what are you going to do when, like, little... the most powerful machine, the most powerful CGI generating machine in existence was like the PS2? So <laughs> that's yeah, not wrong. I didn't think about that. Um, I I can't re remember what I was about to say. Uh. Uh, I'm just excited. I, I'm excited for the, the we've, we we. I feel like we mention this every time we get to a, another Marvel property, which we're about to go on to another Marvel property. So hey, ignore what I was about to say. We're just going to go on to the fact that Hawkeye, season one. Mm -hmm. well, I don't know if we'll get season two. Um, episode one and two dropped, and I I'm loving it so far. I don't know about mm -hmm. you. I do love it. Um... It was a little bit of slow burn in the first episode, but they picked it up by the end, and that got my attention. Um, the second episode is a lot to get through, but it's not bad at all. Um, and there's two major themes at play in this series that are already apparent. Um, you've, of course, got the one that's obvious from the beginning is Hawkeye trying to clean up his history as Ronan. Um but then also him serving as an inspiration to other people. Yeah. Having um, to basically come to terms with, Hey, you, you are a superhero. People look up to you and have grown up admiring you and you have affected these people's lives. Oh yeah. Um, sometimes very directly. Oh yeah. In the case well, of Kate. Oh yeah. Well, in the case of Kate, Kate, I, I love the intro from the first. I know I'm normally an intro skipper mm -hmm. is the thing, but usually when it comes to the first episode of a show, I will watch the intro all the way through, and I really enjoy that they took care of all the exposition for how Kate is so capable mm -hmm. in that intro. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, of course she's rich, so she has access to a lot of stuff, but she's also you know, pushed herself to train to like the highest levels of athleticism in all these different fields. Um, so she is immediately a capable character. Doesn't require like ground level training, like someone normally would in a Marvel property, mm -hmm. basically. Um, that, and I'll watch anything with Haley Stanfield. In it, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I enjoyed, what we got so far of it. Um, I'm enjoying the Christmas theme also running subtly in the background mm -hmm. through the entire show. That sort of gives it kind of a tie in to older Christmas movies where it's like the dad has to be home for Christmas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It does have that. I, I do like that little bit of feeling to it. Um, I, yeah, I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, we actually woke up cause we both had to work obviously in, it, Wednesdays, Kim usually has a really busy day after work um, with mm -hmm. other things. So I'm like, I don't want to have to wait until like 10 o'clock at night because I don't trust the internet. Um, so we literally woke up at like 5 a.m. and watched both episodes before we, we went to work. Um, which we both think 
good idea. We really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. Um, I think the plan is still only one episode a week after this. If not, cool. Yeah. Um, I enjoy the fact that this is Loki. Loki was, mm -hmm. you, you know, universe-shattering importance to some extent. Um, yeah. WandaVision technically could have had that same impact because uh, mm -hmm. the world that that bubble she made was tech she was expanding slowly um but then yeah even uh falcon winter soldier was looking at things on a worldwide scale um mm -hmm. the fact that right now the storyline is completely centered in new york it's just a new york story with the <laughs> like things happening in New York along with Hawkeye mm -hmm. dealing with his own shit. Not worldwide shit, just, you know, his own shit kind of thing. Yeah, he was going everywhere, but it was still him. He okay. wasn't like, oh, hey, superheroes over here, supervillains here, super. No, 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 no. It's just my shit. Well, I fucked up. I felt this way. I did these things, and now I have to live with it. Well, one of the things that they've always stressed with Hawkeye is his tie to his family. Mm hmm. Um, and how important that is for him as a character motivation because he has to be the more grounded superhero not just because he doesn't have like super crazy powers or anything like that yeah but because he has people to look after and because outside of his superhero persona he's not a god or sorcerer or super soldier he's a normal dude trying to live his life yeah and when he doesn't have his family he just becomes a mass murderer um yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that ties into that sort of pays homage to older sort of revenge movies right if you think of like even the punisher which is another another marvel property right is like you've got all the specialized training you're a highly capable person what do you do to keep yourself from going off the deep end other than use the only thing you have left yeah yeah <laughs> And so that's that's kind of his whole Ronin persona, which is what he's trying to clean up throughout this show, is he's trying to find a way to erase that part of his history. Because to um, him, it, is, think, it's, yeah. it doesn't need to exist anymore. Ronin is something that he did out of, in his mind, necessity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think where they're going in this show, though, is him coming to terms with that part of his history. Yeah. Is realizing that, you know, this is a thing he did, he can't escape from it, and he's just going to have to learn that that's part of who he is and how to deal with that moving forward. Um, which I think they've already got off to a great jumping point because Kate is supposed to be kind of the student to the master in this film. Yeah. And um, I also, <laughs> they also, <laughs> so in the comics, Clint has been, I don't know for how long, but has been partially deaf. Um, yeah. I enjoy that they did this in a, they they made this canon to the movies what movies as well, um, mm -hmm. and they kind of just like play it off like a yeah, he's dealt with a lot of loud explosive things very close to him, most likely yes <laughs> you would lose some level of your hearing in this, um, so well, the... <laughs> I mean that's happened to me. Um... But it's also happened to people that I know, especially in in the military. Mm -hmm. If you think of the way like Clint fights, is he's he's basically just a highly capable soldier, more or less, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, and so when you go through all that experience, you have soldier. Yeah. Precision. Well, yeah. When you have bombs and explosions and alien laser beams and all kinds of shit going off around you, yeah, it's going to affect your hearing in a pretty bad fucking way. There are people who come out of basic training in the army now who suffered tinnitus right out of basic training because the three of them earplugs that they were supplied with, there's been a class action lawsuit for decades now on this oh, wow. against three M because the three M earplug, the earplugs supplied by three M aren't really ballistics. Great. Like they're not good at dampening that sound at all. Yeah. Um, which is why most people fresh out of basic, like the first thing they do is they run out of the PX and they buy new hearing protection immediately. <laughs> um, it's something that, you know, I'm familiar with because I'm always going to the range, but I've had, like, unprotected, a firearm fired, like, almost next to my head. And it definitely did make me lose some of my earring and one of my ears. Um, so I understand where he's coming from. I don't think he suffers from tinnitus because that, that wasn't brought up. But he definitely is partially deaf and he uses that hearing aid, which you see in every shot of that one ear. So they keep it consistent throughout the entire show. Um <clears throat> I love that he also consistently turns his hearing aid off when he oh, just yeah. doesn't want to hear stuff. <laughs> in, the, in the middle of the, the musical, he turns it off. Yes. Um, I thought that was great. Uh, the musical itself, that's fucking ridiculous. Um, I I also love the, the the fact that he's annoyed at the fact that Ant-Man is in the musical. It's like, he wasn't even there. Uh, yeah. and, and like people had been pointing out, I'm like, well, technically he might not have been in this universe's, but he was in mm. one timeline. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, I had a lot of fun with that. And I think I'm, I'm excited. We only got what we got four episodes left. Cause it's only six season, six episode season. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to see where they're going with what they're going to do. Uh, mm -hmm. We, at the end of the first or second episode, we get introduced to echo um who is a, a, another uh deaf character um mm -hmm. we also the actress this first time ever being in something of this size mm -hmm. um, so i'm excited to see what they do with it especially because there's supposed to be an echo series coming out too um we have had rumors in the possibility of Vincent D'Onofrio coming back as Kingpin, um, mm -hmm. or at least Kingpin showing up in some sense. Uh, and of yeah. course, we also, if you've watched, if you haven't watched Black Widow, come on, it's on Disney Plus for free now. Go do it. <laughs> um, Yelena is supposed to be yeah. in this as well. Um, it's a <clears throat> lot happening in six episodes, and that's the only thing that I am a little bit worried about, but at the same time, mm -hmm. I know, I'm excited. I... I haven't been let down by any of these shows yet. Um, I haven't either. And I think um, <laughs> you're like, they, I, need I, to, they need to eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I, I give credit to the writers and the directors of these shows, because I think with a show format, you have a lot more time to stretch things out and really focus on those crucial moments of characterization that I love so much in the shows. Yeah. Yeah. And they always pace them. No matter how many episodes they're given, they always pace them excellently. There's never a moment where I feel like a plot point was rushed or just dropped for the sake of saving time or just getting to an ending, which actually did happen in Eternals, which is why I was so upset when 
like the smart deviant just gets killed off in such a lame yeah. way. And that's why I, I, I that's why I said the uh, visually they were the idea behind them was great, but usage in the movie was kind of. I mean, go. if their usage was only to break Athena out of her uh, mm-hmm. mindset thing, then sure. Yeah. But still, uh, misused. No. I feel like they were going somewhere with it, and they just dropped the plot entirely at that point. Yeah. They were like, yeah, this guy just needs to die because we can't do anything with it. And it's like, you could have. You could have made him a temporary ally to the Eternals when they were trying to get rid of uh, Tiamat. But, <clears throat> hey, you know, the movie is what it is now, and we can't go back and rewrite things. <laughs> yep. Although, what we could have is... This happened on this planet. What if there is a planet where the Eternals do lose out to the the um, to deviants. the deviants? So you do have these super advanced, intelligent de- mm-hmm. deviants that have nothing to do with these. But because we now know that it, that is a chance, that is a possibility. Who fucking knows? It's comics. Anything can happen in comics. Um, there was something else I was going to say about Hawkeye, but now I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited about it. There's there's just so much good TV on right now. Um, and we'll see. We'll find out if whether we get one episode or two episodes on Wednesday. Yay. Um, yeah. Now, Nate, I got to ask you something. Have you watched Cowboy Bebop on Netflix yet? It's funny that you ask that because I have an episode three paused on my TV right behind me right now. <laughs> I started watching it just before we started recording and I got through two episodes so far. Okay. Well, um, so far how what do you think i'm enjoying it so far i'm glad that they are sticking to the anime plot line very closely um i think that they've tried to sort of up the humor from the original series um which is both a good and a bad thing mm-hmm. um you get some really nice moments between jet and spike which are nice to have um but sometimes it feels like they're just being quippy for the sake of it. Yeah, I've, um, seen, I've seen an article <laughs> that basically is um, calling it Whedon speak or something like that, which yeah. has infected a lot of TV <laughs> since Joss Whedon's popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. I mean, I get it. It's, you know, I guess it's how movie directors think adults talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is... It takes away some of that grit from the original anime. Um, some of the somber moments don't come off as somber as they should in a lot in what I've seen so far. Um, I do not like the casting of Vicious at all. This guy is like a fucking clown to me when he plays Vicious. Yeah. He overacts the part so much. I will say my least <clears throat> favorite casting in the series is both Vicious and Julia. Um, mm-hmm. They're still it's watchable their characters are watchable and they still work within this story that they tell um mm-hmm. i will tell you now um not i'm not going to get spoilery with it because I, I i i immediately watched the entire thing um <laughs> because that's of course i was going to watch the entire thing i've been waiting for this for technically years at this point hell now i'm excited because they're like hey okay they did an okay they did a good job with this in my opinion now i'm excited to see what they do with one piece you, you, yeah. you pulled me back, Netflix. You gave me Death Note, which wanted me to punch you. I wanted to punch you in the 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 Netflix dick, whatever that is. Probably the, like the, the eye or something. I don't know. Um, but you you brought me back in. You you you've healed me a little bit. 
is this a direct like live action version that hits everything perfectly from the original no you were never going to get that you can never take something that is that fucking good and still holds up for the most part um yeah yeah i mean obviously anything that old you're gonna it's gonna be a little certain things are gonna be outdated but it's it's not even that it's old it's that cowboy bebop is a classic Mm -hmm. right and to reach that kind of status in anime is kind of a hard thing to do in the first place but also like when you reach classic status in anime you're talking about something that anyone from any generation could watch and still enjoy yeah and so even if it is older there are certain things you can get away with in animation that you can't get with in live action. We talked about that before. Faye's but entire outfit. <laughs> well, her entire outfit. But also just the proportions mm-hmm. of characters. The fact that you can, in animation, you can stretch an action out for much longer than you can in live action. Right? Yeah. And that's I, I've seen a lot of people comment on... <clears throat> um, John Cho's fighting the the action fights between him and mm-hmm. characters. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't look like like Spike in the cartoon because guess what? Spike's a cartoon. They can make him move oh, ways. Yes, are mm-hmm. there people that have trained and can probably do things closer? Sure. Yeah. Um. Well, I knew there was going to be a difference in the fighting when I saw the Wing Chun dummy in the trailers, mm-hmm. and now I've seen it in an episode. Um. It's very reminiscent of Ip Man, if you've ever seen those films. It's just the story of the founder of Wing Chun, basically. Yeah. Um, And so when I'm watching the fight scenes, I'm seeing a lot of those moves with some flair thrown in um, and some very tight, close sort of grappling scenes that you would see in something like a Bourne movie Mm -hmm. or even like a John Wick film. Um but the fighting is still enjoyable. It isn't the full flashy Jeet Kune Do from the original Cowboy Bebop, but they were never going to pull that off in live action anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, you couldn't cast anyone short of Bruce Lee to really do that kind of stuff. So, it. I mean, it is what it is. I think it's enjoyable. I'm mad that I spoiled a part of the show for me by watching a clip of Ed. Yeah. And so, uh, okay, seeing good. how grating that was. <laughs> so, all right. I had seen... Because me personally, Ed is my favorite character in the show. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm usually drawn to completely out there characters like that. Um, when I saw the clip initially, because again, spoiled me because somebody was like, hey, look at this. Uh, no context, whatever. Didn't even put like spoilers for. It was just a clip. And I'm like, oh, I wonder when this happens. And then I saw Ed and I'm like, fuck. Because um, <laughs> I, I knew they had to put Ed in in some capacity, which I don't know if that it's happened yet, but there is a, a mention of Radical Edward throughout the show. Um, they actually f- mm-hmm. they feed the Bebop uh, information on a bounty with the tag with the Radical Edward tag, and I thought that was actually kind of cool thing for Ed to already exist within their world, not in the same capacity as just a bounty. Um, mm-hmm. But I saw that clip with no audio in. When I watched it, I'm like, it is a live action version of Ed, visually as close as they probably could get, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, when I watched it and that clip actually happened, I think I was, I over worried about what the mm-hmm. voice was going to be, how they were going to do the voice, and 
I'm okay with it. I, I don't have an issue with it. You, again, not going to get that same voice. You're not going to get Ed's voice from the cartoon in reality. Um, mm-hmm. Because that voice actor is, is one, I don't know how old now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, and people made the joke, of like, why didn't they just have everybody dub it? I'm like, no, don't put in the real actors just to dub over all their voices. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with their voice in the show... I, I have no problem with it. I'm excited because oh, yeah. obviously you already have Ed hanging out with Ayn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike is busted busted to shit, drunk as shit <laughs> or whatever. Um, so what I want to, like I was going to say, not spoiling things specifically, mm-hmm. um, the world gets a lot more fleshed out. Uh, a yeah. lot of stories in or... or interweave and connect mm-hmm. in ways that you they didn't before um yeah some things obviously are a lot changed uh, i'm pretty sure within the first two episodes you already get i think hell is it in the first episode that that uh jet mentions his daughter yeah yeah and i that that expansion on his character i thought was great i love that they because in the cartoon all you get is he was a cop and he had some connection to some people in those episodes don't really play as well as you want them to, especially nowadays. Who fucking cares if you're a cop? Um, the fact that he's not a cop anymore, I'm like, good for him. <laughs> um, well, they are drawing out the characters a lot more and giving them more backstory than yeah. they had in the anime, uh, which I, I appreciate. The <laughs> character that probably stays um, story-wise the same the most um, is mm-hmm. uh, Faye. Um and I think they play with that well. I really enjoy how they, they explored that same storyline for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I was surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Because I, like, obviously, yes, I fucking love the original anime. I will keep yeah. watching that forever. But I can now have this. This is not, obviously, not like, this isn't going to be one of my favorite shows of all time. That'll be in my heart forever kind of thing. But I still really fucking enjoy it. This is one of my favorite Netflix things, for sure. Um, oh, yeah. I think being able to take a world that people already love and expand on it and do things with it your own mm-hmm. is such a better idea than... <laughs> I I keep saying this, and I keep wanting to talk about it with somebody, and we just haven't been on a podcast about it yet. Mm-hmm. Everything that I want to compliment this show for is everything I hated about Death Note. Because <laughs> Death, well, Note, Death Note changed in, in, in tweaked characters and did all these different things, but it was all in bad ways. <laughs> Death Note was an absolute travesty, and I don't think anybody who worked on that after watching it could honestly sit down and say, yeah, we did a good job on this. I, I because... You know what? No, I no. Mean, I, I'll give it to... I'll give it to... Um, Willem Dafoe, he did a great mm-hmm. job being Ryuk's voice, uh, yeah. and I'll even give it to, um, oh fuck, my mind is blanking on his name, L. Lakeith oh, yeah. Stanfield, uh, <laughs> up until that last diner scene where he kind of broke down and was going to shoot oh, him, yeah. or whatever the fuck that was, that, I hated that, everything else about him playing that character, I'm like, you read the material, <laughs> yeah. um, 
Well, that's like my favorite character from that entire show is Light's dad because he's the only one who makes any fucking sense the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the only one who's actually like on to shit and like is doing his job and knows what leads to follow and where to go and get shit done. Everyone else is just flying by the seat of their fucking pants most of the show. I mean, El knew, El knew what he was doing, mostly. Yeah. Uh, and then he died, and they're like, hey, we're going to keep going with shittier versions of El. Um, mm-hmm. And I like Death Note. <laughs> yeah. These are the things I say about a, a manga in anime. I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, so I think even Death Note as an anime failed after Light died, and that's because like the ultimate battle should have been between Light and L. Yeah. You um, don't build up that kind of rivalry and then be like, I win, but I didn't yeah. win, but I did win, but I didn't win. Um, but back to, like I was saying, the tweaks and changes to that storyline were all for the worse. Um, mm-hmm. This is the Netflix changes for Cowboy or for Bebop are not for the better as much as mm-hmm. to make a uh, to make it your own better. Yeah. I guess I don't know how to describe it. All I know well, is that the they, things they changed I enjoyed. <laughs> they're making it better in terms of characterization, and they're making it better in terms of world building. Yeah. Is through dialogue you get a lot more history of how the world of Cowboy Bebop came to be. Yeah. Right. Um, instead of just being thrown face first into a cyberpunk esque world that's got some space travel in it and not really knowing how any of this works or why it works. And for some people, that isn't important. But understanding how characters got to where they are for me is important. Mm-hmm. Have um, you and I'm trying to remember because again, you're only two episodes in. Have you met Annie yet? I have not met Annie yet. Okay. Um because um, I, I I enjoy the fact that in in the anime, Annie is in, I think Max two episodes maybe you early on, and then she comes back again and and is I believe killed off. Um, gotcha. In Gren, another mm-hmm. only in two episodes character, both of them are not only in this but get a lot more screen time and a lot more development in the series, and I enjoy that. Um, yeah. One of the things that yeah, what I was gonna say about the show is, you were saying that they are already kind of doing a good job at following the the original stories from the show mm-hmm. from the episodes um you are i think in episode three is when you realize they are going to they expand on the syndicate stuff a lot more we get a lot more time with vince or vince um <laughs> with vicious. Uh, vicious and a lot more time with julia um mm-hmm. and while yes we don't really like the actors all that much i enjoy that expansion on that storyline and i thought it was well done um, and I want to see more. I I like the fact that we got an after credit scene or mid credit. I can't remember. We with Ed. I'm like, yes, please, please give us a season two. Yeah. Can we somehow get Mushroom Samba into this? <laughs> I I want to see. Like I'm. They've done all these other episodes, and I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Can we get a, a live action adaptation of Mushroom Samba and fuck is it toys in the attic is it <laughs> i think toys in the yeah. attic yeah because those those are my two favorite episodes um oh, yeah fuck that toys in the attic is a straight it's just alien it's a it's alien <laughs> as an anime um 
but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I cannot wait for more. Because of mm-hmm. this, I'm excited for the One Piece live action. Because yes, I'm a One Piece fan. Fuck everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I can't. <laughs> I can't not admit to it. I'm not as much a Naruto fan. I enjoyed it, the manga. Mm-hmm. But like, whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's because well, it's over. It ended, but it's still going with a shittier version. One Piece is just you hit that point that you like it and you just stick with it. <laughs> well, I feel like. Mustafa Shakir is jet is doing an amazing job. Oh He's yeah, probably my favorite actor in the show so far, and he gets to be in two Netflix things now because he was in Luke Cage. So <laughs> yeah, um, he fucking the moment he opens his mouth, I'm like, you are you're just straight up jet. Oh, yeah. You are so close to the original. Um, I was like, if they're gonna do a read up of the anime, they need this man to do his voice. <laughs> just the fact that. Uh, because I had somebody, somebody mentioned, I think they talked to the original voice actor. And it's like, how do you feel about the fact that they made him, him black? Because the original voice mm-hmm. actor in the dub, in the dub was black as well. Um, and I think he made a comment about like, I mean, he wasn't black or white. He They drew Jet gray. <laughs> <laughs> Jet is very gray in the anime. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, who cares? Well, all I want to know is how to line up my beer like Mustafa Shakir does and I'm good. <laughs> That man's got sharp lines. <laughs> yeah, I, he was great. He's probably out of all the the main three, my favorite. Um, and that's not saying anything bad about the other two. I just I thought he was like there. They could recast everybody, and they better fucking keep him the same. <laughs> um, he's he's so great. Faye is a little bit off putting to me, but I don't know. They try to like. At least in the one episode she has the most screen time in, they try to put her off as kind of a comedic role. So they and... they definitely try to downplay because obviously in the the anime she's much more of a sexualized character. Um, yeah, and but she... because they drop that, I think that they tried to upplay her attitude in in um, just mm-hmm. comedy. You like you said a lot more. Yeah, which I mean, hey, Faye was funny in the in the anime too, but. She was funny, but she's supposed to be that sort of fatale kind of character. Um, And she doesn't need to be that. I mean, she doesn't need to be. I don't, I won't like go full tilt and say sexualize her again because that'd be ridiculous, but like give her, I mean, I hope in future episodes, because of course I haven't watched the whole thing, just give her more capabilities than what she currently has. (laughs) Um, Let her show off the fact that she is on equal levels with Spike and Jet. Instead of just sort of being in the background for most of the time. <laughs> I'm going to tell you now, I'm so glad you said that because, yes, please keep watching the show. Uh, there is there is a episode specifically that very much shows, oh, no, she doesn't technically need these two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I definitely say get back to it. I Like I said, I loved it. I'm excited for more. Um Netflix, you get one more chance now. You you've now lost one of your strikes because there's only two strikes when it comes to Netflix programming. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. No, maybe they, they might have two strikes. Where were they? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Definitely Death Note. There was something else that was horrible. I don't remember. I mean, there's been a lot of bad stuff on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but like stuff that I care about or adaptations <laughs> I care about. Um, I don't remember what else they adapt. I mean. Yeah. They didn't really adapt things directly so much as just imported them for our viewing pleasure. True, nowadays. Um, Roni Kenshin being one of them. Um, 
Full Metal Alchemist being another. So that that's another weird thing, because I've talked about this with other people. Netflix is very much like we are supporting you with money, and we get streaming right, exclusive streaming rights, but we aren't going to do anything else with the production. Um, and I'm okay with that. Uh, even even this, the Netflix people are calling it Netflix Cowboy Bebop. Netflix mm -hmm. was heavily involved with, I believe, the money side. But I think most of it was the other production company that's mentioned when it opens up. Um, oh, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. It's like Yesterday Films or something like that. Um, well, they're they're also giving credit where it's due. They open the credits by blatantly saying they consulted Shinjiro Wat Watanabe on this. So, like, they're going back to the original creator of the anime, saying like, basically double checking with him, like, yeah. does this actually work or doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they worked with him, and they also mm -hmm. musically they work with uh, Yoko Yoko Kono. Um, mm -hmm. I can't always forget names, uh, which I thought <laughs> I'm like that's fantastic because again with that inclusion of and I think you're going to get there in this next episode. Um, Annie owns a jazz bar, basically. Yeah. And that makes the jazz used a lot more throughout, like, just random That's episodes. Some... Being like, hey, there's just music going, but it's a live band performing, and it makes sense. It's not just radio yeah. kind of stuff. Well, um, that's an episode, too, actually, when she... Uh... Spike ends up in her office, and she slaps oh, Chad. then yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have met her again. Okay, good. Um... <laughs> I just couldn't remember when episodes happened. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, there was something else I was going to say about it, and I can't remember. Fucking hell. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Whatever. We're moving on. <laughs> moving on. Yes. It's good. Good Netflix. I'm proud of you. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about watching-wise. Uh, mm -hmm. Last time, <laughs> during our recording, I remembered and realized that we had Doctor Who to watch. Um mm -hmm. This season of Doctor Who is interesting um, in the way of it is set up to be one continuous story going through the entire six episode season, six or eight. I can't remember exactly. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's six because in that case, we're halfway through. Um, technically, uh, more than halfway through because there's an, an episode from today that I haven't we haven't watched yet. Um, it it's getting better. <sighs> <laughs> um the first episode it's they just did too much they i feel like they were trying to set up far too much with a single episode and it just n was not working for me um mm -hmm. we're now like i said three episodes in and i i think it's getting better oh wait is it only three it might be no three episodes in yeah because it's only been okay i had to do math in my head for how many sundays there's been um and like I said, it's okay. It's not on a level of... I, I don't know how to describe it. I feel bad because I was hoping for their final... Because this is obviously the, the showrunner and the doctor. This is their last season working on the show. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I was hoping for like an all-out great season. Like to wrap their thing up. And I feel like they've been put in a position that they just weren't able to or... I don't, I don't know. It's just not hmm. that good. I'm very disappointed. This last episode that we watched is probably my favorite so far, but mm -hmm. we'll see. It's been yeah. weird. Well, I mean, it's a series that's been running since the 60s, so... We're almost at 60 years. Um, yeah. 
think Kim and I were talking about that. I can't remember the exact date, but we're we are getting close to the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Um, mm-hmm. Which I mean, hey, good for them. But also, eh, you know, sometimes you have hits, sometimes you have misses. There we go. Well, I mean, for any show that runs that long, that's bound to happen. And I don't know. I mean, I understand why people are fans of Doctor Who. I'm not so much a fan of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I get it. It's not a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Christopher Eccleston was still my favorite Doctor and will continue to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Kim's favorite, too. <laughs> Nate. Nate also likes Eccleston the most. <laughs> Nate, Nate says Eccleston is his favorite doctor. Nate says Eccleston is his favorite doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, too, you too, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, hell, mine, mine is fucking Tom Baker. So, <laughs> I'm also I'm old. Yeah. I'm well. I'm, I'm secretly, fi- uh, fifty. <laughs> trying to think of how old I would have to be to have watched those growing up mm-hmm. in my 50s. Because my mom was around in the Tom Baker years. Yeah. She remembers them. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who. I still watch it. I'm going to watch it. I've watched horrible seasons and episodes before, so, you know, you mm-hmm. keep going. Like you said, it's been going long enough. It happens. Um, yep. So you see, what do you got? You got two anim- animes, animes on here? Well, one's an anime and one is a manga. Oh, um, oh yeah, that's right. Watching, watching, reading. I forgot. Yeah. So the first one's an anime, Arena of the Vampire Cosmonaut, which I finished last week. Um, it's a very endearing story. Um, the premise is basically that there's a fictional sort of America slash UK and a fictional Russia um, and the series, I guess, historically takes place during a fictional Cold War, um, during the space race specifically. So you follow this kid who basically is in training to be a Russian cosmonaut, but is kicked out of his program for a flat out decking one of his superior officers. Okay. Um, but, um, in this world, vampires also live in Russia, um, and so what this Russian program is trying to do is they've already sent their dog into space. And of course the dog ended up dying during that mission, but they want to basically use the vampire as a test to see if humans could survive not only orbital space flight, but reentry as well. Um, the fuck? and yeah, so the story basically is this guy who wants to be a cosmonaut so badly training this vampire to be the next cosmonaut to go to space. Now she's not going to be remembered. She's just strictly treated as an object by these Russian guys. Um, but she is being trained just like the rest of the cosmonauts that you meet through the series. Um, but long story short, there's a, there's a neat, neat dynamic there. It isn't so much as a rom-com as it is sort of a found family kind of thing between just two people more or less. Um, and it is, he has to sort of let go of his want to be one so badly in order to train her and also not sort of vicariously live through her actions. Mm-hmm. But 
she's not when I say vampires, when people think of anime and vampires, they're thinking of like these spooky supernatural creatures with all these crazy abilities like Helsing or Vampire Hunter D. And she's not that at all. She's very much human. Um even in the way that she behaves around other people. Yeah. Um she doesn't have any crazy super special abilities or anything like that. But they use her because her physiology is so close to that of human beings to begin with. Um, and I would say it's a good watch. It's not very long. Um, if you want something that's relaxing to watch, especially, definitely Arena is where it's at. Um, Natomi Chan is Shy with Strangers is a manga that I just picked up on. What chapter am I on currently? 56. I still have it open in my browser. <laughs> is this the one that's um, now a anime? No, that is, uh, please don't bully me, Nagatoro Sensei and Komi-san. Oh, no, um, no. Uh, oh. Yeah, 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 that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Nate, why do you Where... keep finding these, these manga about <laughs> large boob nerdy girl or uh, shy girls? Well, first of all, if you just look at Hitomi-chan, period, you'll, you'll know off the bat why I'm into this one. <laughs> um, but, um... It's an endearing romantic comedy of mm-hmm. a girl who's, she's not as shy as like Komi is saying. Komi has like anxiety to the point where she can't speak around other people. Yeah, Hitomi is not that at all. Hitomi is just very awkward. She starts off with like not having a lot of friends. She meets this boy who helps her grow into this. Um, they are absolute physical opposites of one another, which adds to the hilarity. But um, she's just very awkward around people, and she's damn like when other people see her they're afraid of her because she's so physically imposing (laughs) um but you get these cute little moments throughout the manga and you see their relationship start to grow and you get the feeling like they really do like each other and the great thing is this manga doesn't drag that out forever Mm -hmm. it's not like they're over and over and over again like they go on an actual date very early on the manga um, they buy Valentine's Day presents for each other. They do all these cutesy things together without really saying that they have feelings for each other. And is this person they have feelings for, this tiny little elementary school looking boy? Yeah. <laughs> He's actually older than her. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's a year older than her. He's her senpai, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Chris. <laughs> um, but it's it's a cute manga. I love it. Um, I just, I love everything about it so far that I've read. Um, the art style has advanced throughout the period of the manga because the manga has been long running, but I think it's a good read for anyone who's into that sort of rom-com type of stuff. Yeah. Of course, as far as rom-com goes, I don't think anything's beating out Horamiya anytime soon. Oh no. So. (laughs) I haven't even finished that and I'm like, there's nothing that can beat that. That show is amazing. Yes. Um, but it's all there. It's all, it's, it's well put together. I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, there are other things I have in my backlog to read. Of course, I'm trying to get started on Komi-san, but it's, it's a lot to read. There's a lot of text on every fucking panel, yeah. which is really weird. <laughs> uh, I didn't put it on here, but I just remembered, obviously I mentioned earlier about reading One Piece and, in, in, in uh, Naruto. I finally, uh, cause I told myself after Naruto, I was going to give it a chance. I finally checked out Berserk. Um, mm-hmm. I do not like Berserk. I I know so many people that fucking absolutely love it, and I've heard so many good things, and I've seen some things that are like they look great, 
but I just cannot get into it. Yeah. Um, well, I think people, a lot of people who like Berserk like it for the wrong reasons. Um, because it's an extremely edgy anime. To so, with, or, I will be completely manga. honest mm-hmm. with you. The majority of the mm-hmm. people that I know that love Berserk are um, women. No, it's, really. It's not okay. what you expect of the, like, douchey uh yeah. anime anime manga broy mm-hmm. assholes um, yes that is which is surprising <laughs> which is why i gave it a chance is because of the people that i know that love it i'm like oh i trust mm-hmm. you i trust your opinions i see how you are i see what you do i see what you talk about cool let mm-hmm. me give it a shot and i'm like ah damn just it misses for me yeah well i think what it depends on whether or not you like grim dark stuff mm-hmm. basically um and berserk is a very like grim dark story yeah um, I like it because I like things like 40k, which is sort of the biggest grimdark fantasy franchise out there, yeah. honestly. Um, and it sort of gets to the heart of this story of nobody's really the good guy. Um, everyone's got their own motivations. Everyone's trying to protect what they want to protect, and they'll do it quite literally at all costs. I will um, say it did kind of give me, like, I, obviously I didn't get super far into it, but it it made me want to go back and actually try and rewatch because I never finish it. Um, Claymore, yeah, uh, which I remember being more grim darky um, than most of the things I was watching around that time. Oh yeah, well, Claymore is one of them. Violet Evergarden is a fairly new one that isn't so much grim dark in its presentation, but is in its history, sort of world building history. Yeah. That that show is I I never finished that, but I know for a fact that if I had kept going, I would have a mm-hmm. my heart would be like in pieces. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Just from what I watch, I'm like this is a this is a, a heart killer, an emotion breaker kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Well, that's what it's made to be. Um, so they nailed it in that regard. Yeah. Um, I would say Tanya the saga or the saga of Tanya the Evil kind of falls into that categorization as well, but that that anime is completely off the fucking rails yeah i couldn't get um, into as as a uh isekai lover i cannot i could what are you doing what are you doing huh why why all three of you gotta fuck with shit today <laughs> um yeah didn't get in that one at all uh somebody was bringing up an isekai and i can't remember what it was right now mm. who knows um anyway uh there's so many to choose from <laughs> so many to choose from in most of them are okay um yeah. and it really is most of them are okay there is very few in that genre that i'm like this is incredible um mm-hmm. or at least like i would continue to read this for another 20 years uh <laughs> really that's only slime slime yeah, yeah. slime and shield hero i haven't i've only watched both of those if i had read them <laughs> holy shit um Shield Hero I've only watched, Slime I've only watched. Slime is getting a little, at least with the episodes that I've watched, was a little into the... It got a little bit out of hand for me. In what um, way? Well, with Rimuru doing his whole Demon Lord thing. Oh, yeah, Um, when he literally kills thousands of people just to bring back... Mm -hmm. What are you you doing? I see you moving. And that just... I mean, that moment to me just seemed out of character for me. Is it, is he justified in what he's doing? Absolutely. Yeah. But it just seemed like the entire arc up to that point was all about his ability to be a diplomat. Yeah. 
and then he just decides to go in a complete total murder fest. <laughs> um, hey, hold on one sec. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad that I remembered that there's a pause recording button that makes it a lot yeah. easier to edit things out. Um, but no, I I'm okay with it. I was I was okay with the murdering. <laughs> That sounds. <laughs> just clip that out. Um, <laughs> I was okay with it because of the fact that it, especially in in him doing it, in in Rimuru destroying all of them, having that conversation, mm -hmm. being like, "Hey, you guys are coming at us for your own reasons. We have done mm -hmm. literally nothing. You have put yourself. You've created a situation in which you could attack us." Go back to mm -hmm. America, or whatever the hell the name of that place is. Go back um, to America. <laughs> uh, and fuck off. Um, because it really it was it was straight up like, hey, we are making things up so we can attack you. You're peaceful, mm -hmm. you're, you, but you can't be peaceful. You're monsters. Monsters are, are, are horrible beings that mm -hmm. must be destroyed. There could not possibly be a, a peaceful nation of you. Um, hmm, this sounds kind of on the nose um <laughs> like you said go back to america <laughs> um hey man you're the one that posted about getting being getting put on a a, a watch list a watch we are on that watch list i <laughs> trust me i know um but yeah I, I i'm okay with it i it really is we it will i i will admit it is now in a point where i'm like i don't know how i feel um mm -hmm. i kind of want to go to just reading it because i feel like what's happening will go a lot faster in the manga um because mm -hmm. i so have have you only gotten to the point of um rumor becoming a demon lord yeah pretty much up to that point and then a little very shortly after it where this other demon lord is kind of plotting against him Okay. Has Veldora been released yet? Yes. Okay. I did okay, watch the episode where Veldora gets released. His character design in the anime is fucking weird. I, fucking I do not love like it. it. I love it so much because he's just a dude, bro. <laughs> I mean, I love his I love his personality, but the actual appearance of his character oh, okay. is really fucking strange. <laughs> Which I guess they had to do some kind of contrast there because they've already got a guy who's basically clad in black and red all the time. Um, yeah. The but they could have stick to Vildor's normal colors. Make him black and blue and let him be that. Just the <laughs> fact that it's like, I'm going to make a body double. All right, you can inhabit this body double. Oh, it's changing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, Vildor is ridiculous. The fact that Vildor just sits around in what you've mm -hmm. seen of him so far, he just sits around reading manga. Um, but yeah, what's happening right now is that weird, like all the demon Lords are meeting and then going to fight. I don't fucking know. And I'm like, all right, this is probably one of those arcs that goes really fast in the manga because why mm -hmm. would you waste too much time on this? Um, it just makes me want to watch shield hero more because of the fact that like, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. That shit's supposed yeah. to be... That was supposed to come back this year. I'm really upset that it ended up getting delayed as much as it did. But, you know, I can't... I'm not upset at the people. I'm just upset in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think Shield Hero is one of the better ones because it is... It is the ultimate underdog story as far as Isagai is concerned. Yeah. Um, um, as much as he gets shit on throughout that entire show, he really does 
make up for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Justin, real quick. Speaking of uh, delayed things, um, and how you know delays are actually good when it comes to gameplay. God damn it! What the hell is that? Yeah. Mm hmm. I miss having a room. Um. <laughs> Speaking of delayed games being better, obviously we'll get to the controversy part to it anyway. Uh, Halo mm -hmm. Infinite multiplayer dropped out of nowhere um, yep. for the 20th anniversary. 20th? Yeah, 20th anniversary. 20th? Has it really been 20? Fuck, that makes no That's sense. 20 years of Xbox. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, it feels just how I want it to feel. It plays how I want it to play. Um, sure, is everything there yet? No. Is it still a beta? Yes. It, they have been very open about, we're releasing this. It is still in a beta form because not everything is there and ready. Um, mm -hmm. But literally everybody can play. It isn't just a Game Pass game. This is a, everyone can play this game. Um, Anyone who's got an Xbox. Or PC. Or PC, yeah. It's free on Steam. Yep. Um, so, like, good for them. Good for you. Mm -hmm. Xbox, go get that shit. And yeah. it is part of the reason, and I'm only saying part of the reason, why I don't care as much about this microtransaction shit as other people mm -hmm. do. Um, yes. Did they do a good job with balancing how the season passes work? No. Mm -hmm. Will they work on it? Yes. I think they've already been open about the fact that they're working on it. Um, mm -hmm. Well, if you go back to um reaches multiplayer system and how progression worked in that mm -hmm. right um you earned credits for every match that you did and those credits could be used to purchase stuff like armor and things like that right um and it was but straight it was up performance just, yeah i was gonna mm -hmm. say it was straight up performance it wasn't hey get kills with this weapon yeah. do this with this armament or whatever it was it was all performance and every battle pass i played in every game including call of duty it's a performance-based battle pass you earn XP for your matches, that XP translates into a certain number of points in your battle pass. Yeah. Right? In this game, though, all your XP is tied to challenges. And the thing is, is you can play an entire match without completing a challenge. Yeah. So it feels like time wasted. The way they temporarily remedied this is by giving you 50 XP for every match completed. But there was the problem is, that as well. Yes. Every level in the battle pass is 1,000 points. Yeah. So you have to play 50 matches at the most to get a full level of battle pass. Um, or, and that's, that's nuts to me. <laughs> I was going to say, or the alternative is to buy the credits to unlock each level in battle pass, which is pe which is where people are getting the like thousands of dollars needed to. Uh, well, people are getting it out. from, people are getting it from that. And then the daily microtransaction store that they have going on. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that there's armor pieces in that store that they're actually showing off in marketing material for the battle pass as being part of a free event. Yeah. is just, just crazy to me. Well, if, um, if any of it is like, for instance, the event happening right now, you get the samurai armor. It's not Hayabusa. Mm -hmm. What? Is, no, um, it's Tanari. Yeah. Um, I love it. I think that's mm -hmm. great. I would love to have that. I am not going to one, be able to play enough or, play in mm -hmm. which in ways that would get me that armor if i could yeah. just buy it i would buy it we've talked about it before because these mm -hmm. are non 
they they do not affect gameplay in any way. These are completely uh, yeah. cosmetic skins. They're, they're all cosmetic, and as much as I understand that argument, mm -hmm. the thing is, is visuals do affect gameplay, <laughs> not in a hard sort of by the numbers kind of way, but. Jim Sterling, Jim Stephanie Sterling made an argument about that years ago mm -hmm. about how the cosmetics don't affect gameplay argument really just doesn't fly when you think about how important visuals are to gameplay to begin with. Um, and of course, there are people who, you know, will stand their ground and say, okay, I'm not going to purchase anything ever from the battle pass. And those people are to be commended for, <laughs> you know, for that kind of integrity. Um, but the entire reason that microtransaction stores exist especially limited time ones is to capitalize on fear of missing out for people yeah um which and yeah and that and, is there are a lot of people that have that um yeah but i will say i have that you know, limited i guess yes if they can move at least the battle pass progression into a performance-based kind of thing where i'm just earning more xp per matches and i'm earning xp based on my performance in that match yeah i would be happy with it I mean, that's that's really all there is to it. I'd be happy with that. The challenges are fine. If you want the challenge to be extra XP like they are in Call of Duty, great. But don't make that the basis. Yeah, don't for make that the, the only balance. way to level up in this game. All right, give me mm -hmm. one sec. Okay, so, yeah, the if they just made the Battle Pass, you know, performance-based, yeah. I think people would be much happier with that. Yeah. Um, it should be a baseline. You get, <laughs> for instance, the 50 points. For existing in a match, um, mm -hmm. more points for kills, more points for, for uh, like hell. I would love it if they attached it to, not like, hey, your daily mm -hmm. is to get splat splatters or whatever. I'm like, but yeah. if if those medals meant something for your progression, there you go. Well, that's the way it works in Call of Duty again, right? Because mm -hmm. you play for a match, right? There's always a base XP just for being in the match, but you get, say, 50 XP for a kill. You get, you know, a couple more XP for double kills, triple kills, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I don't commend the, Call of Duty for much, but I'll at least yeah. give them that. <laughs> the, XP, the XP is always based on your performance, objective captures, things like that, right? Um, whereas Halo is just, honestly, a lot of multiplayer matches, as fun as they can be to play, just feel like a big waste of time when you don't see anything happening after that match mm -hmm. well that's right? also again that and yes i know we just talked about that argument but like that is it is also if that is what you're trying to get out of it for mm -hmm. me i don't care i did i buy the battle pass yes just because i wanted to see this stuff mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah fuck it why not if i'm gonna play might as well get some little things um <clears throat> but overall i'm like i just i want to hop in and play this game i don't care i just yeah. want to enjoy it because i don't play it every day i'm not going to play it every day um when i do and i think tonight we're gonna try and we were planning on playing it anyway with uh mm -hmm. lou and damien um we do need a fourth if you want to join us um i just might <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah we we just like playing the game um yeah like damien damien has been getting really into the actual like getting the completing some of the things lou and i mm -hmm. are very much we just want to play a game with friends because this game is fun. Mm -hmm. Even when we're losing, yeah. we still have a blast. Like we had a, what, the first night we played, we had a um, capture the flag game. We lost, mm -hmm. but it was fucking fun as shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then <laughs> the next day I woke up and read an article where it's like, hey, just to let you know, if you have the oddball or the, the flag, if you sprint, 
it shows the enemies where you are. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> yes, it will show you. Now they've actually put it on the screen for you to see plain as day. Yeah, that's especially nice. Yeah, if you sprint, it tells you that you're revealed. Um, so there is a lot more. That just to talk about the good things about Halo multiplayer as it exists in Halo Infinite. The game itself is. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that the weapons all are more utility based than they are just lethal mm-hmm. right um which is something that halo had back in the day it sort of changed with reach especially the assault rifle in halo 5 it was all just about lethality it yeah. was all about just it became sort of a meta weapon in on its own where it never was before um pistols or magnum still fantastic yes the sidekick is still a great gun to use um, but again, it's every weapon serves a utility function in that game, and every weapon is optimal in different situations. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that they've expanded the sandbox a little bit more. They've changed some of the guns, which some people are going to hate and some people are going to love. Yeah, they dropped um, the... Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but the one that you charged up no longer acts as an EMP at fully charged uh, yeah, shot. Plasma pistol. Yeah, the yes. plasma pistol no longer does that. There's actually a specific weapon or yeah. grenade in There's weapon that do that sets of weapons the dynamo grenade and then the shock rifle and the disruptor pistol yeah um the great thing is though even though they've added utility to those weapons they haven't taken away the ability for every weapon to be lethal in the right situation yeah um so if you're smart about your weapons what you're picking up when you're picking it up and how you're taking those engagements you usually can come out on top um what I'm seeing with a lot of players is what I see with every FPS, so I can't complain about it too much. Just play the goddamn objective, please. <laughs> um, no, but they but, gotta get those dailies. <laughs> but um, beyond that, I'm really enjoying the sandbox in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, weapons are all fun to use for the most part. There are a few that are a little lackluster and a little take a lot of getting used to. Uh, there's one specific, I can't remember the name of it, but I got my hands on it and I'm like, mm, I'm, I don't really feel this. And then yeah. I found out because uh, Damien was like, wow, really? I really enjoyed it. Found out mm-hmm. that it is a okay gun. It doesn't really feel the best when you're just hip firing, but when you zoom in, it is incredible. Um, oh, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. It is one of the newer ones. Probably the Stalker Rifle. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it, it, I really enjoyed that. I've been really liking the new... Uh, I can't remember what they're called right now. I want to say loadouts, but that's not what it's called. Mm-hmm. But like the repulsor and the grappling hook yeah. are really fun. Um, well, there's add things to the meta as well. Well, they add things to the gameplay, just period. The grappling hook. The fact hook that is, I can throw batteries now. Yeah. yeah. Being able to throw fusion coils is great. The grappling hook is like everyone's favorite addition to the multiplayer so far. But you still have things like the repulsor and the threat sensor, which are useful in their own ways. The Repulsor I like a lot because it's great when I'm pay- playing Fiesta, which just gives people random weapons that respawn. Yeah. Um, and some people will spawn with crap like swords or grab hammers, and it's just great to honestly just troll someone trying to kill you with a Repulsor. They reflect um, any pro- all projectiles, like uh, rockets and even grenades and everything. Yep. Um, I've so... actually seen a couple of uh, gameplay things of people reflecting rockets directly back at the person that launched them well the repulsor kind of works in that way is that whatever explosive is thrown your way when you use the repulsor at the correct range it will always send it directly yeah. back to its source it it reminds me mm-hmm. of um 
blocking in Star Wars games with lightsabers. <laughs> like if you block no. the right way, you get it directly back at that person. <laughs> yeah. It's there's just a lot of fun stuff to use. You can even use a repulsor to jump in the game. So Oh, I haven't seen that yet. That's cool. Uh, um but all the stuff in it is great. The active the changes to the active camo are really interesting. Mm -hmm. I like the changes to that. Um I like the fact that the overshield is there but it's usually one on a map. It's always a time spawn, and it's not extremely overpowered like it was in previous Halo games. Yeah, um, I'm liking the way that they're doing the the weapon drops mm -hmm. too, with the yeah. power weapon loading times and all that. Because there are certain things that's like, yeah, you could go get this if you waited, but you, yeah, you're just better off doing other things or going at it without it. And all the maps in the game so far are really good. There's a lot of verticality added, especially now that you have things like the grapple. Um, but there's just a lot more room to sort of set up positions, hold down key points in a map. And if you're on a really coordinated team, you can absolutely just dominate the space yeah. on a map. Um, even in something as small as a 4v4 Slayer. Um, but I, I'm just glad that they've paid attention to some of the things that people were talking about, especially in the Halo competitive scene. Mm -hmm. uh, especially with Halo 5 and the fact that they brought back that utility to the weapons in the game allow you to use those weapons in different ways and really set up your plays instead of just thinking about oh i've got an assault rifle let me just shoot this guy a bunch until he's dead um <laughs> so i mean that's definitely a valid strategy but it's not always the best strategy right um so it, it's all about that and sort of the classic feel of halo gameplay has come back into the fold um it's very much about how fast can you close the distance or how far away can you keep someone off you so you can set up that trap for them to walk into and then get killed. Yeah. Uh, um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back into it. I haven't played too much of it. Um, I will say before, cause I'll let you get into your, one of your favorite game series. Um, mm -hmm. I picked up, uh, Pokemon brilliant diamond, which is, nice. One of the first, I, I didn't play, like, a, there are a lot of generations in Pokemon that I just didn't touch. Um, mm -hmm. But this is definitely one that I, I had wanted to check out, uh, because I think it was, at the time, I think this was one of the bigger the bigger jumps in gameplay. Um, I think this is actually one of the ones that introduced, like, the the competitions and... and um, like you could show off your Pokemon and have them perform for different kind of competitions instead of just regular battles. Uh, mm -hmm. But it is, I'm loving it. it. It's adorable. Like I know people were giving mm -hmm. it shit because of mm -hmm. the, the fact that they were going with the chibi style instead of trying to make it more, I don't want to say realistic, but like how sword and shield look, it doesn't have that like, Hey, full size characters running around. It is. What if the original game was just, in 3d um yeah which again that's all i wanted that's all i ever wanted from these games on console um mm -hmm. i really have been enjoying it and what i've been doing is i've had kim naming all my pokemon uh <laughs> it turns out she went with a nut theme <laughs> oh god <laughs> so my uh oh i also it how it all started i didn't originally plan on having her name all of them but i went ahead and Aster, turtle, monkey, or penguin, and mm -hmm. she picked p turtle. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is officially the first 
Pokemon game I've ever started a grass starter. Mm. Um, so she got she picked me Turtwig, uh, and named mm-hmm. it Pistachio. <laughs> so I've got Pistachio the Turtwig. Actually, no, he's not even a Turtwig now. He's whatever the second version is. Um, <laughs> it. I'm realizing that there was some point in in Pokemon where they tried to make the games easier. And I don't know if mm-hmm. this is I don't know if this is a because of the the remake or if this was still in the actual handheld version as well. Um, there are certain things that are just handed to you instead of you having to find them or work for them. Um, yeah. Like you are, as you progress, literally the main story is, hey, hi, welcome to this town. Here's the HM you're going to need to get to the next thing, but you mm-hmm. can't get it, use it until you fight the gym leader. Um, yeah. Who, oh, and they're not even HMs, they're TMs. No oh boy. Yeah, there are no HMs in this game, these games. Um, hello, Cooper. How are you? You want to shake more things on my desk? Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, what are you doing? It, it, it's HMs. So you get an H, they give you like four of the HM. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like, Hey, give this to the person. I'm like, that is a horrible idea. <laughs> Cause like, just give me like 50 t- hyper beam TMs and I'm good. <clears throat> Sorry. I meant to say, yeah yeah they give you tms not hms i'm like because hm was if you had it you couldn't override it um yeah and i guess hms were unlimited use you could apply them to any pokemon that could learn that move tms were one and done yeah um and i I, it's weird to me i don't know if there's like a like what if you don't have any more of the tms and you overrid all of them can you just not use that anymore um it's it's interesting i I don't know why that was a change. It, it's so know. funny because, like I said, they, they changed it where it's like, hey, we're handing you the thing right away. Yeah. But also there's a limited time use of it. So I don't know if that was possibly a trade-off for it. Um, well, I think it's just a change with the generations who play Pokemon in general. Yeah. Is we grew up with Pokemon, right? And so we were... So we're a lot of these people. <laughs> well, we're nostalgic for the days of, you know, red and blue and yellow and... You know, games that really were about exploration and sort of exploring the world of Pokemon, right? Finding fucking surf in the Safari Zone was a bitch. Yeah. And then just the whole sort of legendary climax of those games where it's, okay, you're going up against Elite Four and then you finally face Red. You're supposed to be like the ultimate Pokemon trainer. And then you can get me Um, too. Yes. And then these games more cater to the younger generations who maybe, you know, came about in the middle of the Pokemon saga who I guess are just more used to that sort of instant gratification. They want mm-hmm. to play a game and get along with things. They don't want to, or get along with the story. They don't want to take a lot of time to search for every little thing that they need or find every little potion hidden in yeah. a dungeon somewhere. So speaking um, on that instant gratification, uh, turns mm-hmm. out if you have saved data for Pokemon, let's go and Pokemon sword and shield, um, there is there's an old couple that just hand you a Mew and a Jirachi. Wow. <laughs> so I have two mythical. They're not legendary. I looked it up. It turns out there because there's now different levels. Um, mm-hmm. I have two mythical Pokemon, and I'm I just got my second gym badge. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, whatever. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm I, I have my entire my entire crew of of nuts, uh, mm-hmm. in one bolt. Um, <laughs> so we're, I'm gonna continue playing that, probably Sweet. maybe not tonight. I don't know. I'm in, literally in the middle of a battle, and then I'm like, oh, I got a podcast. Um, yeah. go ahead and get a Pikachu. <laughs> Pikachu, Pikachu. <laughs> I'm so yes. mad. You haven't caught a Pikachu yet. I know, but I have a cashew already. That's okay. You can. Okay. Yeah, Pikachu. we'll come. Okay. Uh, Mew is Mutella. <laughs> um, what's another dumb one? Oh, I named Magnemite Magnut. <laughs> just Magnut. Magnut. Yeah, I'm. I, but yeah, I'm loving it. I. It's nice to just go back and play like a a classicy kind of Pokemon game for the most part. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you if you want to play some fun Pokemon, classic Pokemon style, go for it. That's what I say. I'd recommend it. There you go. Well, you're getting... playing your favorite game in the world, right, Nate? Absolutely. Um, first of all, I don't even know if I talked about Forza Horizon 5 on a previous podcast. No. But I'll just say that here, here's what I love about Forza Horizon 5 so far. The game is fucking gorgeous to look at. Even if you don't like racing games, mm-hmm. just look at videos and screenshots of this fucking game. <laughs> this is the best racing game, the best looking racing game of all time, period. <laughs> they upgraded everything from lighting to foliage to road textures to, I mean, literally everything in the game is just brilliant to look at. I have not looked at a car in this game and didn't say, that doesn't look amazing. Of course, there are fucking ugly cars in the game, but they all just look really, really good when they're out in the sunlight and driving around. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Beyond that, um, the game has a lot more on offer this time for people returning to the franchise or even people just getting into it. Um, Probably one of my favorite parts of the game right now is the ability to gift cars to other players. So when you find a barn find, which has always been a staple in the Forza Horizon series, you usually find a rare car that's broken down in a barn. You have to wait for it to get restored. Yeah. You can, after you find that first barn find, you can then gift cars. Now, you can't gift them to specific players. It's at random. But say you have an extra copy of a car in your garage, just a car you don't even want anymore, right? You can gift that car to other players. Um, And so it'll give them a barn find on their map to go find the car that you were gifting to them. Um, I had a car gifted to me once and it was really neat, but I've also gifted, I think I've gifted about four cars so far because I had extras of them. Um, but beyond that, all the races in the game are very interesting. The PR stunts are back. Things like danger signs, which are just fun to launch cars off off of as fast and as far as possible. Um, they upgraded the ability, they upgraded the track builder in the game. So when you create a blueprint for a race, you actually drive that route first. You literally have to take your car and drive the route you want to map out and then set checkpoints along that route. Um, They also added ramps and tunnels and all kinds of crap that you can add to your track too. So you get these very crazy blueprints, which are almost GTA, like five races built in Forza. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you also have these neat, blueprints that they come out with that are sort of top tier. Usually these are made by developers. One of the ones I played was called Jeep, Jeep Tastic Park. It was literally just a Jeep drive through a Jurassic Park themed level where you had to break oh, some wow. crates 
Um, and at the end of it, you crash through a gate outside of the T-Rex pen, and the T-Rex is standing there in front of you. <laughs> um, so really neat little quirky things that they've added to the game. Um, the thing that keeps me coming back to it is the seasonal challenges. So the seasons, like they did in the previous game, do change over time. And right now they're sort of in line with our current calendar. So currently it's the winter season, which is the dry season in Mexico. Um, the caldera, which is the big volcano mountain in the map, is now actually has a snow-topped peak, um, which changes up some of the dirt races that are held up there because now you have snow to consider as well. Um, but the seasonal challenge is where it's at. So the way this works is it's almost like a battle pass kind of thing, but not exactly. Um Every season you have two cars that you can unlock and you have to get a certain number of points to get those unlocks. So one is at a certain tier and the other one's at a higher tier. But those all add up to a major seasonal bar, which covers all four seasons for you to get two other cars unlocked as well. Hmm. Um, there's also seasonal challenges, which usually completing those and winning those gets you cars. And then the trial, which is you and a team versus what they call unbeatable drivatars. These are basically AI Drivers who just don't make mistakes, who are just like perfect drivers all the way through. Um, but there's other seasonal challenges in there as well. Um, things like completing a speed zone with a certain class and type of car, completing a danger sign with a certain class and type of car that earn you points. One of the ones was taking a picture of your car at nighttime mm -hmm. to unlock a horn and get some points for that. Um, they also brought back the Eliminator, which is Forza's version of a Battle Royale. Which people would think, like, Battle Royale on a racing game, those aren't two things that really go together, but Forza found a way to make it happen. I don't know, man. Where... There's, a, there's a whole series that was about <laughs> cars killing each other, so Battle Royale would make sense. <laughs> well, in this one, it's all based on... So you pick a drop location at the, at the beginning, and you can drop literally anywhere on the map. There is a shrinking circle, of course, like all Battle Royales have, but uh, there's car drops around the map as well. So you start in a Volkswagen Beetle, and that's all you've got. A 1963 classic Beetle, which is fairly slow, but just powerful enough to get you around the map. And then if you find a car drop, you drive on top of it, you press X, you get a new car, and it tells you which car you're going to get before you pick it up. It also tells you the grading of that car amongst others. It goes up like Tier 10, which is like legendary vehicles. Um, but you get these cars, and the way you eliminate other players is... They challenge you, or you challenge them into a head-to-head, -head, and whoever wins gets to stay, and whoever loses is eliminated. Okay. So the head-to-head -head routes are always random throughout the map, um, and you can drive to them in any way, way you want. There are no checkpoints, so if you have an off-road vehicle, you're just tearing it over hill hills and hoping not to smash into a tree somewhere. Um, if you're on, you know, if you're in, like, a classic sports or race car, you're trying to, like, stick to that asphalt and make it through that route as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, hmm but it gives you the freedom to drive any which way you want, which is a big staple of Forza Horizon, and that's why people love it more than Forza Motorsport now, because you can take any car anywhere on the map and do basically anything you want with that car. Um, so, I don't know. I think if people liked Forza Horizon, they're gonna Forza Horizon 4, they're going to absolutely love Forza Horizon 5. If you're not a racing game fan, I won't say that this one will make you one, but, but hey, the, it's free with Game Pass. <laughs> it is free with Game Pass, and the goofy shit you could... The thing about Forza is there's something for everybody in this. Like, you're a graphic designer slash artist, right? I found so many liveries in this game for cars that are just over-the-top amazing. Mm -hmm. And I follow those creators in the Forza shop because you can do that when you're looking at liveries. 
Um, one of them just exclusively literally makes My Little Pony liveries, and one of my favorite ones is on a Miata right now. Um, Miata Little but, Pony? Yeah. <laughs> um, they actually changed the Mazda on the back to Mersda, <laughs> and they came up with all these different brands for different car uh, parts that are just pony themed. Yeah, now. <laughs> Nate, I'm going to finish. I'm going to end the podcast now. I'm excited. <laughs> But um, another creator makes these amazing Hatsune Miku liveries. Mm-hmm. There's characters who make all kinds of Atasha stuff and then all kinds of racing theme stuff and just anything you can think of. Someone has made it as a livery for a car in this game. Um, so there's a there's a big, big livery editor in the game which carries over from Horizon 4 and it really lets you do pretty much anything you want. Um, beyond that, there are people out there who are just tuners who want to tune these cars up as much as possible or tune them to do specific things really well. Um, and then there's people like me who just want to literally set as fast as possible lap time on a track as I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, and they brought that back as well with Rivals. Um, me and James have been going back and forth on just one track in the game, constantly trying to beat each other's times in the same car. And the last time he beat me by literally a millisecond. And so <laughs> I was, I was needless to say, not happy with that. Then I have to try to find out how to sh- now shave a millisecond off my lap time on that track. Oh, God. Um, but it, it's it's little things like that that give everybody space in Forza Horizon. And there's so many different types of races. People think a racing game, they think, oh, I'm just going to race around a track a couple of times and that's it. And that's not the case with Horizon. You have crazy Baja races that are just cross-country and take you to ridiculous levels of off-roading. Mm-hmm. Um, you have dirt tracks that are just you basically doing the same thing you do on a normal track, but in a rally theme, you have to consider that surface change on the track and how that affects your vehicle. Of course you have the plane track races, you have street races, um, you have PR stunts, which is drifting, jumping, doing all kinds of crazy tricks in your car. Um, and then the showcase events, they brought back a showcase for each part, each theme of these races you unlock. Um, probably one of my favorite ones is called the buggy and the beast where you have to first start off in a race where you're in an off-road buggy against monster trucks. And then they hand the monster truck over to you to score points in a PR stunt, which is held in their big soccer stadium in the middle of the map and has a bunch of ramps and stuff that you do backflips and shit off in a monster truck with. (laughs) Um, so it's, it's just over the top. It's crazy. It's, it's Forza Horizon taken to its apex at this point. I don't know if they plan on doing a Horizon 6, but I don't know what they would do to improve upon the formula they already have. It's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, you know. I mean, they just make it look better and better, right? I mean, true. I mean, it's, the only way they could possibly make this game look better is they started just upping the photorealism in the environment. Because the cars already are, like, true to life at this point. There's no car I looked in this I looked at in this game where I compared it to its real-world variant and said... That looks off to me. Mm-hmm. They get all the proportions right, and with the introduction of Forza Vista all the way back in Forza Horizon 3, you can literally have this car in your garage, and you can pop open the doors, pop open the trunk, pop over the hood, and you're looking at parts of the car, including interior, as they are in real life. Yeah. With the exception of some cars that don't have manufacturers, like the Hot Wheels cars they introduced in the games. But they even did an amazing job with the Hot Wheels cars. I had one called the... Uh, I forget what it's called. It's the Hot Wheel Twin something. Hot Wheels Twin... Twin Mill is what it's called. It's called a Twin Mill, and it looks a little bit like a Corvette, but on the sides near the front wheels, just behind the front wheels, you have two massive engines sitting there, 
with giant like blower muscle car intakes on top of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, hell, we're talking and... about the series that had a fucking <laughs> Lego expansion pack oh, at yeah. one point. But uh, they even modeled an interior for this car in the game. So normally in your car, for example, you have what's called a tachometer, which measures your engine speed and your speedometer, right? Mm-hmm. This car has one for each engine in the dash. <laughs> the funny. problem is, is you go to the internal camera and what's sitting directly in front of your line of sight, this big engine that you cannot see over. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a fun car to drive because of that alone, but they really put attention to detail in every single vehicle in this game. And it shows, um, if you like cars, like I do, I mean, just looking at cars in this game mm-hmm. is, is a fun thing to do. So that's all I really got to say about it. I know not everybody's a fan of it, but it's there for people who are enthusiasts about this kind of thing. If you're in car enthusiasts, you're going to, you're going to love this game to pieces. Sorry, Cooper. Cooper's been sitting on the desk, and he's been really good. Not in the way, but now his head is like his ear is in camera. Oh you gonna look at the camera, boy? Yeah. What's up there? Let's see by the camera. Just right at the end. Perfect timing. All right. Well, hey, this has been another episode of Space Time Taco. As always, follow us on all social media. Just search Space Time Taco, and me. Tom Lurito. And me at Little Teapot. I'm a point over there because he's not pointing at anything. <laughs> now I'm going to point at my cat. Oh, hey, hey, you're on camera. You're on camera. Ah, you're adorable. I love you so much. Um, yeah, go inside and play video games. I love you. Yes. Peace. Eat more leftovers. <laughs> All right, bye.